I said this this morning, but whenever Jack comes up, he always comes up, are we happy church? And every time, even if I'm not, it's at that moment that I am. Okay? It's because Jack said it. How good some church right now? The life of church is actually amazing. I love that the, um, the foyer is looking great. Youth this week. Shout out to Fearless Youth, everyone here that attends. We're back. We get to use it. We can... All right, yeah, give it, yeah, come on. <laughs> Fearless Youth, yeah. <laughs> All right, make some noise for Fearless. Um, we can have fun. We can't break anything, though. Um, I've been told no ball games in the church. So, Oh, now that's the whole congregation. I won't be in good books if we break things, so don't break anything. Um, Tonight, I'm going to preach a message um, around the topic of praise. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes when, when we talk about praise, the first thing that can pop into your mind is, is the two songs we sing before worship and come to church on a Sunday, and it's those two songs, and that is a form of praise. Maybe it's, um, I, was, I was thinking uh, during praise this morning and that, I was thinking about sometimes when I think of praise, I think of the congregation. You always, I don't know, I've been in church my whole life and um, church is a weird place sometimes, let's be honest. And you have a lot of different types of people that praise different types of ways. And so you've got your, um, your loud clappers. Uh, I'm, I'm one of them. I'm happy to admit that. You clap loud. You've got your um, loud singers ones that can't really sing to tune, but they just make a joyful noise. Um, and you've got your, the, a lot of times this is with guys, you come in and they're the ones that don't necessarily want to jump, but they just bop, because they're like, I'm just too cool to jump, but I'm just a bit cooler than just standing there still, so I'm going to just bop to this. And that's a big thing in youth ministry right now, they don't really get up, off their feet, they just sort of swing, and because the music's gone weird, and, and it's actually good, but it's... Anyway, that's not good to do it. And then it reminded me this morning of when I was younger and I used to stand with my nonna at church and then you have, for some reason, it was her and her friends. They would stand there and they'd be worshipping, praising and worshipping and they would clap a certain way. And I don't know what the heck they were doing. But I'd just be amused every time. They would clap like this, right? And, they'd and I was like, what is... It's like, it's like an aerobics workout what the heck is happening there and you know <laughs> praise is a crazy thing there's a, and it inspired me non don't you worry <laughs> but praise is a is a um it is definitely worship it's a form of worship it's a thing we do um but i don't necessarily want to talk about that type of praise today um it talks in the bible in psalm about um, this is Psalm 89, 15. It says, Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of their countenance. Uh, countenance. And it goes on in Psalm 34, 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Continually be in my mouth. Praise is a response. Praise is something that we don't only do on a Sunday, where... I think sometimes we can get caught up as, as believers, as Christians, um, that we come and, and, and the two songs before worship on a Sunday is, the, is what we use to sustain us for the rest of the week. 
So that's our praise for the week because it has to have music and it has to have this, be at this speed and this rhythm. And that is very much praise, don't get me wrong. That is an amazing, and I love praising like that. But I think there's got to be more to praise than just coming on a Sunday, on a morning, a night service or a, a meeting and getting your little fix there and then hoping because it won't sustain you till the next Sunday, right? Um, we are a church, and if you're new to church tonight and you've never actually even been, we, we believe in a God. We believe in a God that created this earth, um, that died for us. We believe he created us out of clay, breathed into our nostrils, breathed life into us, and we became life. Um, we also believe, and don't stress, I'm not going to talk about him that much tonight, but we believe there's an enemy and there is a devil, right? Um, if you didn't know, but the, the devil was actually once an angel. He was once an, once an angel in heaven, and he was an angel of worship and praise, over the praise and worship in heaven. Now, he lost his job. When he left, when he went down and he, he thought he was better than God, he lost his job. And see, now I believe that we've actually taken his job. That praise is a weapon that God has given us. And it's our job. And see, what, what I'm trying to get out there is what happens is the enemy knows how powerful it is when we praise. And so what can happen now is there's actually... It, I guess it's happening not even in churches, but in life. This thing that they go, just re respond by how you feel, right? I believe that's the enemy telling us to, you know, if my situation's bad, if I'm angry, if I'm upset, that's how I'm going to respond to God, or that's how I'm going to respond to people. And see, I, I, I think that's the enemy trying to quieten praise, because he knows how powerful it is when believers come together, when they begin to praise God, despite anything else that's happening in their situation, they go, God, you are good. You are great. And there's something so powerful about praise. So tonight, I sort of titled this message, Praise Over Problems. Um, we all go through problems. We all go and we have situations and circumstances um, that aren't always good. But I guess I want to look at this idea of how we respond to that. Are we going to respond and allow our emotions and our situation to determine our praise? Or are we going to allow and, under, and look to God and go, you are the answer. And, and because of that, I'm just going to praise despite my circumstance. There's a guy in the Bible, um, and we're going to look in the life of, of um, David, King David. I'm going to pray and I'm going to look into... The, the story of David and this point in his life where he finds himself in a cave, right? So we're going to pray and we're going to get into that. So dear God, I just thank you for tonight. Lord, we just, um, we give this time to you. Lord, we, um, we ask for your presence to come into this place, Lord, that my words are not mine, but they're yours and that we didn't just come to hear a message, but we came to encounter you, God, and leave better than we came. Lord, we thank you in your name. Amen. Um, we're going to look at David, but I just remembered. I love this part of um, our church, and it's our, our sort of motto, a place people love, and I'm believing that this is a place people love to praise. That, that the Port Church is a place in the community and a place that people from the community to come, can come 
and they can experience God, but there's something about us that we're people that praise, and when they come in, they experience that. So we're going to look at David. There's a guy called David in the Bible, and you might have heard of him. Maybe you haven't. It doesn't really matter because I'm going to tell you about him. Um, he did a lot of things. Um, at a young age, this guy called Samuel, um, at the time there was a king called Saul who was not pleasing God with how he was leading. And, and, and God was speaking to Samuel, who was sort of over Saul and that, and told him that then he, there's going to be a new king. There's going to be a new king. And um, he, he actually directed Samuel to where it was going to be. He said, there's a guy, as Jesse, and, and he has many sons, and one of his sons will be the anointed one and will become king. And so Samuel makes his way to Jesse, and... Um, he goes through, he gets through his, and he's, he goes, Jesse, God sent me, and he, he's saying, there's one of your sons will one day become king, and he's standing there, and I always picture things when I'm reading the Bible, I like to think, I am just a thinker, and I think weirdly anyway, but I just pictured in those movies when you got that dude, and he's talking to someone, that there's like a bubble there, and it's like God's there, and this is Samuel. And there's Jesse. And he's like, all right, Jesse, I'm just going to pick one of your sons. And he's like, is this, is this him? Is this him? And he's like, no, 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 it's not him. And then Jesse's just there like, who the heck is this dude talking to? And he's like, it's God. But he goes through his sons anyway. And he goes, is this one God? Is it? And he goes, no, this is not the anointed one. And he goes through and he's, is it this one? And he's like, no, 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 it's not it. It's the next one. And he's, look at him. He's just tall. He's handsome. He's got it all. And God goes, no, no, no it's not about the outward appearance. It's about what's inside. And so he continues and he goes through every single brother and, and is none of them. So he goes, what? You told me there was... He, goes, he asked Jesse, Jesse, do you have another son? He goes, yeah, oh, yeah, I've got a son. He's out in the, in the fields. He's a shepherd. He goes, well, can you get him, bring him here? And, and so he t- brings him and it's David and he's probably around the age of 10 to 14 in that age bracket and he goes, um, this is him. This is the one. God says, this is the anointed one. So at a young age, David is anointed to become king, all right? And he goes on, many things happen from that point. He doesn't become king straight away. There's many different things and places he goes to, and um, he was a shepherd. He went back to being a shepherd. Nothing really changed too much. He, um, he killed bears. He killed lions, which is pretty awesome, if you ask me. Has anyone here killed a bear or a lion? Oh, come on. <laughs> I want to hang out with you. <laughs> Definitely. But, um, and if you, probably the most common known story about David is David and Goliath. And um, that was Saul's army, who was king. David comes in, a young man. Saul goes to him, do you want to wear my armor? Because, I mean, you're so small. And so, so David goes, no, 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 that's all good, that's all good. I'll trust God. Picks up his rocks and kills the giant. And it's from that point, Saul's very pleased with David and he, he makes him his chief in his army and, and takes him to live in the king's house. And, and when the army returns, they return from fighting the Philistines. Um, Saul killed thousands and, and David had killed tens of thousands, right? And that made Saul jealous. Saul wasn't happy about that. And and David was beginning to, beginning to get more honor than what Saul was. And, and that was angering, angering, making him more angry. And um, Saul was quite frustrated with him. But see, 
David actually became great friends with Jonathan, who was Saul's son, um, and they were very good friends, and he loved David a lot. Um, but David was also a musician, right? He, he, if you know the book of Psalms, David wrote that book. Um, a lot of them are songs and things, but he was a harp player, and Saul liked music that he played, and, and one day Saul's jealousy caused him to do a terrible thing, and while David was playing the harp, Saul take, took out a spear and threw it at him. It's quite amazing. Has anyone had a spear thrown at them before? Maybe don't answer that one. Um, and it was a terrible thing. And that was while he was playing the harp. He wanted to pin David to the wall, but David dodged it, and the spear missed. Later, he threw another one. This guy's got a lot of spears. And he said that he... <laughs> Then he goes to David, he goes, because you defeated Goliath, you can have my daughter, but you must first kill a hundred of the enemy. And I'm pretty sure Saul at this time probably thought that, you know, one dude against a hundred doesn't have very good odds, but David comes back and he's fine. And Saul then has to give David his wife, his wife, his daughter. <laughs> Definitely his daughter. I mean, maybe not in those days, I don't know. But uh, it's his daughter. And then one day Saul tells Jonathan and his servants that he wants to kill David. But Jonathan, trying to convince his father, don't hurt him. Don't hurt David. Don't hurt him. And he's never done anything wrong to you. That's what he's telling his dad. And everything he's done has been great. He's blessed you, Saul. Like, Dad, he's done awesome things. He's done all this stuff. And um, he risked his life. And Saul listens to his son. He promises not to hurt David. So he goes, all right, no, no, I won't hurt him. Um, David is brought back and he serves Saul at this place and all these things. Um, and one day, however, though, while David was playing music again, David, I mean, Saul began to get frustrated and he threw another spear. Dangerous place. And he dodges it again, David. The spear hits the wall and that's the third time. David knows at this point, it takes him three spears to realize this. But he's, he's um, in danger. <laughs> He's in danger. <laughs> so that night, David goes to his own house and, and Saul sends men to kill him. Now his wife set, goes to him, my father plans to do this, and tells her husband, if you don't go away tonight, tomorrow you'll be killed. And so it's at that moment, David then realizes he's got to go. So he, he heads out and he goes and he runs and he finds himself uh, in a cave. After all, he goes and he hides in this cave. Um, and that's, I mean, if you want to actually read that for yourself, it's in 1 Samuel, all right? That was me recapping it. Give me a bit of context behind what we're going to read now in Psalm 142. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Psalm 142. And it takes us to this place where he's at this cave now. So he's, he's been anointed king. He's done all these things. And, and now he's running for his life. David, and he finds himself in this cave. And this is, this is David's response. All right, he goes, one, Psalm 142, he says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out, my, pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge, 
No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of living. Listen to my cry, for I am desperate, in a desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. Does anybody here like food? Thank you, a few people. I love food, right? Uh, I'm a big food fanatic. Um, right now, they, there's this new thing on Commonwealth Bank apps that they tell you how much food, you, how much money you've spent on food in the last month. Mine's not very good. It's very discouraging. Um, and it's probably actually not spent on good food, which is even more upsetting. But I love food. So my probably top three foods that I like the most out of everything, not in order, this is not number one to three. This is just the three. Can't pick them. My first one, is there any burger lovers? Yeah. Burgers? Thank you. I'm not talking McDonald's burgers. I'm talking like Burgastronomy. Anyone know that? It's on O'Connell. Barry's is pretty good. But Burgastronomy, you get some sweet potato fries and some fried chicken and you're set. Burgers. They're good. If you do youth though, you have to eat a lot of Macca's burgers. So... I have to just deal with that. Um, my second favorite is, is white chocolate and raspberry bullets. Yeah. Oh, good, come on. This morning, no one liked them. We had someone say they're not even licorice. What a lie. Then, oh, my goodness. To me, I don't, like, I don't like black licorice, so to me, it is my licorice. But, <laughs> you, thank you. Got, I couldn't hear you, Angela. Okay, all right. <laughs> but with white chocolate and raspberry bullet, there's got to be a certain one. You can't just get any, right? For Christmas, I got two packets. One I ate and one I chucked in the bin. Because there's got to have the right ratio of chocolate to licorice. You can't have this, these bullets that have just like, little, like mostly licorice and a little bit of chocolate. It's got to have a good amount of chocolate and a good amount of licorice. Daryl Lee is the way to go. Thank you. That's good. Shout out to Daryl Lee. Hey. Got to look after my teeth. <laughs> I do. I definitely do. Never had braces. I've never, so that's a good start. And my third favorite food is uh, pizza. I love pizza. All right. And again, not Pizza Hut pizza. Um, Kiko Palms Pizza. I, I got my family here, and I don't pronounce it. Chico Palms Pizza. It's a place on Henley Beach, or 360 Grady. It's just quality. I don't get it all the time. Don't stress. I'm not getting this all the time. Or Nonna's Pizza. Nonna's Pizza is good. Yeah, there you go. You have to have. I had to do that. I paid her out before. No. <laughs> But there was this one time that my family and I, um, we found ourselves going to this cafe. It's in Port Adelaide. I won't name where it is because it wasn't the best experience, but it's near Port Admiral, all right? A few doors down. Um, and we got... Hopefully they don't listen to our podcast, hey? No. Um, but we were there and we went late. We went for dinner late and um, it was probably about... 
7.30, 8 o'clock, and we're, we're there and we're ordering. And so uh, this day, certain, uh, I was like, I'm going to have pizza. And for me, when I, I don't know about you, but if I find out what I'm eating in the morning, man, I'm just thinking about that the whole day. And the worst thing is when you get to the end of the day and they tell you you're not having that. Oh, man. But anyway, I was having pizza. And I'm going through the menu and it's like margarita, it's like chicken and there's all this stuff. And I chose to have capricciosa. Capricciosa. Thank you, thank you. Olives, mushroom, ham, and then artichokes. That's artichokes. So I ordered that, but I got rid of the artichokes. I'm like, no artichokes, thanks. And I'm like, all right. And so I took our order and we're sitting there, as a family does, and we're talking and we're talking and we're talking and... Ten minutes, all right, what else can you do at a cafe but talk? Um, Ten minutes goes by, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I'm like, this is taking a while, and I'm hungry, and I'm getting frustrated. Only thing that helped was that dad tipped the table, and so the drinks fell on him. (laughs) That got us through a bit. And then 40 minutes went by, 50 minutes, 60 minutes, and nothing yet. And so I'm getting really upset. And then... I'm sitting there and I just see this thing on the side of my eyes and it's the waiter. And he's got in his hand this pizza. And it's like, thank you, Jesus. But you know how when you sit at a table, you're at this height, and so he's got the pizza at this height. And he comes through and he brings it down and then he places it there, but he sort of just left straight away, right? Like he just disappeared. Once the pizza got to a certain point, I looked down and oh my goodness, artichokes everywhere. I was like 60 minutes of waiting and you gave me an artichoke pizza. Oh, and I was getting, my mum was there, she's like, just calm down, just pick it off. And I'm sitting there picking them off and I'm looking at the waiter, just chucking them on a plate. I'm showing him the plate, making sure he knows that you, I don't want these. And uh, probably wondering, you're going, why is this guy talking about food? But I feel like sometimes this is actually how we can respond to God in situations. We can be in a place that we don't want to be or maybe it feels like we've got something that we didn't even order. It's like, oh, I didn't ask for this. David's in a cave. He's been promised all these things. He's done all these things. He's trusted God. And now he's in a cave hiding and fearing for his life. And hey, God, I don't know, this was in the plan or... I didn't ask for this. How come this is happening to me? And you know, many frustrations, as you listen to that Psalm 142, there was anger, there was frustration, he felt abandoned, he felt lonely, he was scared. You know, God promised him things. He was running and running, he's hiding. And it's funny though, because sometimes what happens when we're in that place is we actually begin to forget the promises that God had made. When we're good, it's easy to hold on to those promises. It's easy to go, yeah, God's good. He's here. He's here. Something happens that we don't plan. And when we go, oh, but God, what? His promises don't change. His promises are still the same. You know, what I do like about his response, though, is that David is honest with God. And I I believe there's always a time to be honest with God. I don't think you should ever feel like you can't go to God and say, God, this is how I feel, right? I think that's always got to be something we do. Who, who, whose feelings affect them? Mine, mine affect me all the time. 
Just when I wake up, I'm not a morning person. My mum is loud. She walks into my room. And that's when my feelings affect me. I'm like, why are you talking? Like, just let me sleep. And she just has this one tone. Ask my auntie. She's been staying with us for the last few weeks. She goes, Chris, you're so loud in the morning. It's like, oh my goodness. But David, David was promised all these things. Now he's hiding in a cave. Maybe you find yourself in a cave right now. Maybe there's something that you find is your cave. Maybe it's finances, maybe it's a doctor's report, maybe it's family or something someone said over you. Now these things can make you feel so many different ways. Let's be honest with God of how we feel. Right? And see, what I love so much about this story is of David is he's in a pretty bad situation. It doesn't look good in our human eyes, but it's the decision that he makes next that I believe is one that is so powerful. He responds to God, not based on all the things that he could see, but on who God was. And so we can respond in, in, in so many ways. But I'm going to read Psalm 57. Have you got, have you got that? Turns to Psalm 57. This is David's next response. He's in the exact same environment, same situation. He's still in the cave. He's still hiding for his life. But this is what David says next to God. Got to find it. Psalms is a big book. Oh, man. Here we go. There we go. This is what he says. Psalm 57. He says, Have mercy on me, O my God. Have mercy on me. For in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadows of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to God most high, to God, who vindicates me, who sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who haltly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. I'm in the midst of lions. I'm forced to dwell among ravenous beasts, men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, is the part above the heavens, let your glory be all over the earth. I spread a net for my feet. I was bowed down in distress. They dug a pit in my path, but they've fallen into it themselves. My heart, O oh God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake my soul. Awake, harp, lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. What a response. David's choice was to change his perspective from what he saw in the flesh to what he knew in the spirit. He knew who God was. Now, in the flesh, everything was telling him one thing. But in the spirit, he knew that, God, you are faithful. My mercy, your mercies are new every day. I believe this is a beautiful picture on what it is to praise over our problems. It doesn't disqualify the fact that we go through things, that we actually have struggles, that life can be so hard. But it's the choice of not staying in, like David, he could have stayed in that first response 
of frustration. And so many of us, myself included, we can in times stay in a spot of frustration and that's how we continually respond. But it's when David makes that decision to go, uh-uh, I'm going to look to you, God. I praise you. That something shifts in his life. See, things change when we begin to praise. Things break. There's power when we praise God in good times and in bad. You know, David, he went on to become king. He went on to get out of the cave and he lived life. And 14 years it took, about that time, 15 years from when he was anointed to, to, till he became king. That's a long time. And, you know, in, even, from the, even when he was in the cave, there was times where he could have responded bad due to his feelings. Saul came into the cave, actually. And the people, because there was other people with David, they were like, you can kill him right now if you want. But he goes, no, he's the anointed one, right? He is, he is I honor him. He's a man of God. And so there's many responses, but he chose not to respond by his emotions and his feelings. He chose to respond on who he knew God was. I think there's four things I want to quickly go through that I believe what happens when we choose to praise over our problems. The power of praise, what happens? The first one is praise gets our focus off of ourselves and back onto God. Who knows the hardest times to look someone in the face? I remember this when I was young, when you're either in a bad situation, you think you've done something wrong or you're just upset. You, very rarely do people look other people in the eyes. It's always looking down or away from it. When I was getting told off as a young child, didn't want to look my parents in the face because I knew I was wrong. Or I knew that, I could, that that was something just not right. But I think we do this a lot with God. Oh, well, no, this isn't good, God. This is a bad situation. Or, or maybe you feel like you've done something wrong. Or, uh, and we begin to take our eyes off of God. And we, all that does is focus on your problem. All that does is actually look at, because you're just looking around you and at what's happening. But I believe when you, when you get your focus off of ourselves and up to God, it's like a literal lifting your eyes. Because when you lift your eyes, you can't look down. You have to look up. It's like when you look to God, praise, it gets our focus off of ourselves and back onto God. It says in Psalm 152, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Just praise him because he's good. Praise him because he's great. Psalm 35, 28, and my tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. Praise gets your focus off yourselves and back onto God. Second one is praise brings us to a place of humility. Um, I don't know about you, but when I was thinking about this idea of humility, um, you can think of David at this time, and David's done so much right. He's, you know, I've tried, I love you, God. It says that David's actually man after God's heart. Um, it wasn't perfect, but that's what it said. Um, but what I think this is sort of meaning with humility is as people, we can sometimes pick and choose what we trust God with. And I pictured this car, right? It's like we're sitting in a car and we're in the passenger seat and God's in the driver's seat, right? And there are some things in life where we just trust God and we're just like, yep, yeah, no, you drive the car. But then there's other times where we grab the steering wheel and we try and steer the car. Now, I've actually tried to do that once, and it's not a good idea. My friends and I, we used to do it a lot. Don't try it. We used to have to tie up our shoelaces. Just grab the wheel, bro. 
Not a good idea. But I think we try to do that so much as people is, you know, God, I'll trust you in this because, you know, you've promised me this and, yeah, no, that should be good. And, but then all of a sudden things don't happen the way we think they should. And then we start to put our hands back onto the wheel and go, maybe I'll start to steer again. But I think praise brings us to a place of humility. When you are looking at God and your eyes are on Him, when you are praising Him, when you're responding to Him despite what's happening, that's trusting God, that's humbling yourself to take your hands off of the wheel and say, God, you drive the car. That's what David had to decide because it wasn't going the way I guess he probably thought it would happen. So you've got to come to a place, you take the will. The third thing is praise makes the enemy flee. It pushes back the darkness that surrounds and blocks the attacks and hissing lies over us. Like I was saying at the start, the enemy wants to quieten our praise, wants to, wants to tell us of why we shouldn't praise, of why our situation is bigger than God. That's the enemy trying to quieten us. But when we begin to praise, he flees. It says in Psalm 66, 1 to 4, shout joyful praises to God, all the earth. Sing about the glory of his name. Tell the world how glorious he is. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Your enemies cringe before your mighty power. Everything on earth will worship you. They will sing your praises, shouting your name in glorious songs. When I was younger, growing up, my mum used to teach us this thing that was quite simple, but it's, I still apply it to my life now. When there'd be things that we felt were overwhelming or we would be worried about or upset, mum would just tell us to declare and say the name of Jesus over that situation. So nothing else but just Jesus. Or we thank you, Jesus. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. The enemy flees. The enemy cringes when you, he shivers. He goes, no. Nah. Because he knows how powerful God is. He will flee when we begin to praise him. The last one, number four, is praise invites his presence. When we begin to praise, his presence becomes, it dwells close to us when we praise him. He lives there and he looks for it. It says in Psalm 22, 3, he inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits the praises of his people. Where you are, you can praise. He is with you. It doesn't say praise only happens when you sing at church on a Sunday at this time and at this place. As much as it will happen and things will break on a Sunday at church, the same thing can happen when you're driving or when you wake up or when you're at school or work. You can praise God there. Despite what's happening, praise is powerful. A place full of praises will see miracles, will see blessings. You won't stay in the cave. I'm telling you, when you start to praise, it's very rare you stay in the cave, in that hiding place. Despite the situations, you step out of the cave because you're walking with God. God will fulfill, fulfill his promises. You know, David's experience in the cave teaches us about how, how to handle life at its darkest and most difficult times. It made me ask the question, how do I handle life when it's difficult? How do I respond to people, to God, when life is terrible, when life 
sucks, which happens. And I, sometimes I find myself walking into church and I'm just like, I don't want to be here today. Like it's a very real feeling. There's some days I just don't want to even come to church. And I'll be sitting here and I, I mean, I have a choice to make. And there's many a times where God goes, praise me through this right now. Like, praise me through. You're feeling angry. You're feeling frustrated. You're feeling drained. You're feeling all these feelings that are trying to tell you that that is who you are and that's how you should respond. But I've got to go, no, I'm going to praise you through this. There's times where I don't. There's times where, I, and I leave drained. I still live. But I, when I make that decision to praise God, I'm telling you, I leave full of His Spirit. I leave with this new energy. I believe this is a place that that can happen. That we start to respond because of who He is and not because of what everything else is telling us. You know, the band can come. I went to India a few years back on a missions trip with um, Good Samaritan Ministries, which is amazing, Emily and Ashok, what they do. Um, it was like straight out of year 12, a group of us went to India for two weeks. And um, it was life-changing. It was incredible. I'd never been overseas at this time. I'd never been to a place like it. Millions of people, right? And we went to, I think it's one of the poorest cities or places you can go to. Arisha, I think it's called, Arista. I don't know how to pronounce it, but... Um, we're there and amazing things. We saw beautiful scenery. Things that you'd never experience in Australia. Just amazing, like, looks incredible. And then there's other sides where it's, you see poverty and you see beggars and things that you also don't experience all that much to this level in Australia. And it was good. It was besides the heat. You walk outside, it's 99% humid. That wasn't the best thing. But it was one day in particular we were in India, it was a Sunday, and we chose to go to, to church, right? And I'll never forget this, this experience. It was actually quite simple, but it was so powerful for myself. It was in a room, probably, probably two-thirds of this room right here, just, just a rectangular room. Everyone was sitting on the floor, a few little fans going on. They had seats at the front for us to sit, and we were facing the congregation. And it was, it was amazing. Young people, babies, older people, families everywhere. They're packed in. There's quite a few. And we're sitting there. And, and, and for most of it, I did not have an, a clue what was going on. I couldn't understand what they were saying. I couldn't, just didn't know. I was like, what, what's happening? Like, this is great. This is amazing. But I couldn't understand. And there was translators, which was cool. But there was this one moment that I won't forget. They, there was just this like sudden thing throughout the service. There was like spot fires across the whole place. And people would just begin to say, hallelujah. There's hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's all they would say. Hallelujah. And I, I could understand that. But it means God be praised. And to me, I'm in a place where I, for me, all I saw were problems. I'm like, how can I live in this environment? They don't have anything. Some don't have food to give to their families. Some don't have a shelter over their head. But they're sitting in this place, probably feeling a lot of emotions we feel too. But they make a decision to respond by saying, Hallelujah. God, we praise you. God, 
We, because they realize and they understand what it is to rely on God. And sometimes we can forget it in, in the environment and the way we live. But all they got, trust God. God, I praise you. And if we could stand across this whole place tonight, it made me think about our church. You know, church, that might have been thousands of kilometers away, but I believe the Port Church can be an environment that praises like that. We all go through things. We all have our own caves, situations, things that may make us feel a certain way. But imagine if we made a decision to respond because of who He is and what He is and not because of what our situation is telling us. Imagine if we chose to praise over our problems. I'm telling you, people will walk through our doors and change just because they impact and they see a bunch of people that have very similar situations, but they just trust God. They have a joyful noise. And the cool thing about praise is you don't have to do all these things to be able to praise. You may be here for the first time and not even know God, you can praise. Because God is consistent. He's always with us. We are like a roller coaster. We go up, we go down, we go everywhere. God remains the same through everything. And so tonight, maybe I'll leave you with this like thought. Maybe there's something in your life that is just holding you. It's a situation that you go, I didn't order this. I didn't ask for this. And it's okay to have emotions, but it's about how we respond with those emotions. Maybe it's a time that we actually begin to praise over our problems.